And now, Season 3 of Geek Top 5! Yay! I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And we're back after a bit of an absence, bringing you the coolest things you need to know in the world of geeks. Number 5, it's uh, recording this, it is September 29th, and it's finally the day the Super Nintendo Classic is out. Yep, we... uh... We, we made a, a somewhat uh, ill-advised trek out to be first in line. And went to see what, uh, what folks were looking for. Uh, let's cut to that and see what people had to say. Welcome back to Geek Top 5. It is 5 in the morning on September 29th. Uh, today is the release day for the Super Nintendo Classic, and uh, we're here to talk to some of the people who are trying to get in right at door opening. Uh, to try to get their hands on what's it's certainly the, the most hot-ticketed item. Maybe thanks to Nintendo's uh, undersupply, but what can you do? Uh, I've got one of those poor souls right here. Sir, do you give us your name for the podcast? I'd rather remain anonymous. Okay, well, just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking a sick day. I don't need my bosses to know about this. I know you're a very well-regarded podcast. I don't... It's one of the best. One of the best. I, I listen to it every week. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk to a few of these folks to see what they have to say. Uh, stay tuned. Welcome back, Geek Top 5. It, uh, what time is it now? How is this going? It's about quarter to six. Folks are starting to show up to line up. And how long have you been here? Since 10 o'clock last night, technically. Gee, so super invested in getting one, Yeah, right? absolutely. Absolutely. Anything particular in the console sticking out to you? Or? Honestly, I have a Super Nintendo, but the big selling point for me was Zelda and uh, Metroid. Ah, see, Super Metroid. Super we were talking about this. Yeah. Felt like I was the only person I knew who knew that it was the best Super Nintendo game. <laughs> it absolutely is. Great game, that yeah. And Star Fox 2, obviously, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I struggled with the first one. I've still never beat Star Fox 1. That game is pretty impossible, but yeah, Star Fox 2 should be good. Rad. <laughs> <laughs> so how long do you guys have been playing with the Super Nintendo, like the original one? Like How, long, how far back does that go? Probably since five or six years old maybe I had the original Nintendo well, I don't even remember I think my dad had all of them I think the first thing we ever had was Doom on a computer and then Nintendo Super Nintendo maybe my cousins gave it to us or something my dad had all of them when we were really young but yeah so it's sort of the same backstory we have like Super Nintendo was our babysitter essentially, essentially right yeah, yeah. same thing yeah. same thing with you yeah yeah, yeah. fair enough I know with me, like, it was Link to the Past was a big one for me. Mega oh, Man X yeah. was a big Mega one. Mega Man X is my favorite game of all time. Oh, please. I, I, I want to hear all about this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The game's just wicked. I love it. I love Mega Man X. <laughs> I'm not a big Mega Man guy. I'm, I'm looking forward to Mario RPG. I'm dying to play Mario RPG again. Yeah. It's been so long. I love that game. Oh, it's so is good. It good. So good. Love it. I'm a, I like RPGs, uh, and that one is, is the best. That and Secret of Mana I'm not very familiar with. There were like a couple games on there. Yeah. Oh yeah, I did a lot of Secret of Mana growing up. Good. That's it. Yeah, we had someone else on the show recently. It was that was his big. That's why he's buying it. Oh really? Eh. Yeah, action RPG stuff. Yeah, it's fun. Any case, we're Geek Top Five. We're gonna keep on waiting, keep on counting down. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay, it is now six thirty. We're still counting down. Uh, talking to some other folks who are here. So, how long have you guys been waiting forward to this? Uh, I found out about it a month ago. Uh, since I announced it. <laughs> Pretty much. Okay, yeah. plan to line up the whole time, or just sort yeah. of... Because I missed the first one, so I said, I'm going to line up for this one. 
Good call. I uh, tried to pre-order, couldn't. Figured lining up's a better bet than trying to wait for stuff to go up online. So, I guess it makes sense. You were saying that you were trying it for, for through a Target pre-order or something. Yeah. So I was following along with a subreddit who figured out that there's a service you could sign up to to actually import from the U.S. And Target was one of the first ones that was allowing it. So when those went up for sale, I got a pre-order, but then it got canceled for. I think it was customs reasons. I don't even remember really, but yeah. I mean it happens. All right. So what is it about it that lured you in? Like, is it a nostalgia thing, or like, like wait, what about it? It's making you come out this early in the morning. Yeah, Super Nintendo was my first system, so. Oh yeah, we grew yeah. up with that kind of yeah. stuff. I wanted to play it again, and I don't have my original, so. Figured I mean, it. What games in particular? Honestly, Mario, Mario Kart, those, those simple games. You know, you played as a kid, and uh, yeah, I just want to play them again. Play with my son now. So. That's rad. So yeah. carrying the tradition forward, yeah. essentially. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a nostalgia thing. I mean, it was the first console I really got into as a kid, but it's also a bit of a collector thing. Like, I'm a, I'm a pretty big uh, gamer, so having it as part of my collection is kind of cool. And honestly, it's just, like, I still have my original SNES, but some of these games are too expensive to go and buy secondhand, so it's going to be nice to play some of these games with a legitimate SNES controller as opposed to, you know, even emulate it or something along those lines. Yeah, I think we've all gotten used to playing some of these games with keyboards <laughs> over the years, whatever we could plug into our PCs. Yeah, I've got, a, I've got a Raspberry Pi set up at home that has a bunch of games on it, but it just doesn't feel the same. Makes sense. Yeah. Any partic- games in particular, like what's jumping out at you? Uh, no, I mean, it's nice that it's coming with a couple controllers, get back into some Street Fighter, like when I was a kid, that sort of thing, but no, nothing in particular. It's just more of a... Uh, collector's aspect, I guess. So you mentioned you wanted to sort of bring this one and play it with your son, too. Is he already in the point where he's playing games? Or No, well, he's playing iPad games right now, so he's, he's a little young. It, it, if I could ask, like, what age are we talking? He's two right now. Okay, so he's got a little yeah, bit to go. But he's, uh, he's, he's into the video game. He'll see me playing it for a bit, and he'll just want to give it a try. And Eventually, you know, he'll get a little bit older and start playing with me. Makes sense. Keep it for a while. So that's <laughs> yeah, fair. You bring them up the same way we did. Yeah, exactly. It makes a lot of sense. Okay, thanks very much, guys. Yeah, no worries. So that was a blast. It sounds like a lot of folks are just as excited as we are. Uh, we gave it a try here, and it's uh, it's pretty cool. It's adorable. Yes, it it's so tiny. Fits in the palm of your hand, and like literally the palm of your hand, and weighs nothing. And it still has a lot of the, the same sort of functionality. You push the power button on to turn it on. If you want to get back to the main menu screen, you hit the reset button. It's, it's giving me lots of flashbacks. It's just, it's phenomenal. It's a cool toy. We, we barely scratched the surface with it. I'm sure we'll give a more in-depth uh, review of it at a later date. Number four on the list, uh, Jean Grey, The Phoenix, which actually makes this kind of appropriate, is back from the dead again. Yeah. So, so she's been dead in the, the Marvel Universe and the, the comics for 13 years, which is a pretty good stretch of time for a comic book character. That being said, her future daughter, Rachel Gray, has been around, another redheaded psy- psychic, but she's been around mm-hmm. for a while. Hope Summers was introduced, a redheaded mutant. I don't know all the details with her, but she's very Jean Grey-esque and might have been heading in that direction until she turned out to be not a very popular character. Plus, they brought young Jean Grey from the the earliest days of the X Men, as well as the original five, the rest of the original five X Men, into the present. So there's a young Jean Grey running around. So her return now, and the reason that having all of those surrogates made not having her around feasible, it made it like you didn't miss her because there were all these other characters. 
So bringing her back now seems sort of like a, a bit of a, like, well, we've already got one. We, we don't really need her. Yeah, we're sure it has nothing to do with the upcoming X-Men movie Dark Phoenix, featuring Jean Grey. With that in mind, the promotional material has her in her Dark Phoenix outfit, so in her villain mode. So that is, uh, is definitely a hint. Maybe they'll bring her back as a villain, you know? They have so many villains, great villains in the Marvel Universe, who have sort of become good guys maybe they want to introduce another big-name bad guy who can stick as a bad guy. You know, you introduce Dark Phoenix Jean Grey as a perpetual villain that they can fight over and over again, and leave young Jean Grey as someone that, as the character you root for in the, the good guy Jean Grey. It's possible. It, um, it's fallen into the trap that Jean Grey has become, maybe unfairly, kind of a joke in the industry. You know, just as a character, she's always either evil or dead, and tends to rotate fairly frequently. And now... Folks would tell you, well, there's caveats to that, because really, she's only died about three times. Yeah. Which is hilarious, that that's where our bar is. But you know, if you don't count, like, alternate universe versions and clones and temporal... Which, and like, you never count those. Of course not. That would be silly. Professor but, Xavier has actually died more than her. But we're just, as readers, we've gotten so used to Jean Grey coming back from the dead, rediscovering the Phoenix, becoming too powerful for her to be legitimately written for anything... Turning evil, and then having to die. I mean, that really, canonically, has only happened once, but the, uh, maybe twice. But anyway, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not, it's just that that is such a great storyline that it gets retold, like in the cartoons and in the movies, it's, it's a recycled plot. So that's why it feels like a really well-trod story. But it isn't if you are, are more of a, a hardcore comic fan, I find anyway. So and hardcore comic fan really applies, like you said, Jean Grey. I mean, she's one of the original characters. She, just just to get her bona fides up there, her rap sheet. She was there at X Men number one. That was 1963. Um, that was when she was Marvel Girl. Yeah, yeah, she was Marvel Girl for for many years there. Okay, um, but it, it's like the same thing as as far as a code name goes. Like Mister Fantastic it doesn't really tell you anything about her. So. When they, they, eventually she just became Jean Grey, just like Mr. Fantastic is mostly known as Reed Richards. Uh, eventually, the Phoenix name stuck. Right, yeah, that was in the late 70s, um, yeah. where they, they sort of did something to her character to give her the Phoenix, and then the Dark Phoenix happened a few years after that. Yeah, um, it's all, you know, with all the collections and stuff, the timeline is a little hard for me to, to yeah, judge. Yeah, Phoenix, um, Jean Grey died as Marvel Girl and was reborn as Phoenix uh, 1976-77 um, for that uncanny X-Men stuff that people call the Phoenix Saga nowadays. And then Dark Phoenix Saga started in 1980. Okay, so, wow. So she was Phoenix, like not Dark Phoenix, for a lot longer than I thought. Yeah. Um, but now she's, they're bringing her back again. I have to assume this is just because of the movie tie-in, because it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't seem like there's room for them to add anything. Well, another, the, the, along the same lines, they have announced, and in a recent issue, Marvel Legacy number one, Wolverine is back. And he's only been dead, canonically, for three years. And it's the same sort of situation. We've got Old Man Logan, who's replaced him. We've got X-23 as a replacement. You know, X-23 is a clone of, of Wolverine. There's also a clone of X-23 named Gabby who hangs out with her. Oh, man. Yeah. And there's also uh, Wolverine's son from the Ultimate Universe who's who's walking around now. Sabretooth is a good guy. We have all of these replacement Wolverines. So, I mean, he came back on Wednesday. I don't know that anyone actually cares that much. Like, it doesn't seem like that big a story because it's like he was never gone. 
And so it's the same sort of thing, yeah. except you know, one was gone for thirteen years, the other's gone for three years. But you can't can't leave a good Wolverine dead for long, I guess. And certainly not a Phoenix. Yeah, um, Phoenix Resurrection will hit stores in December. I'm sure we'll find out more about it before then, and uh, we'll see how long she sticks around this time. Number three on the list, uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which. I'll admit, I didn't really realize until recently wasn't directly just a connection to Bewitched. Apparently those are two different properties. Completely different properties. Yeah. I didn't watch a lot of TV oh, growing up. You are. Oh. Um, based off the character off of the Archie comics, um, it, it was a sitcom in the late 90s, early 2000s on ABC. That was the, the TGIF lineup. I think so, yeah. I couldn't yeah. believe it was on for seven years. That seems hard to believe, yeah. Archie has come back in a big way lately with Riverdale. Where they took Archie and made it like a like a like a dramatic teen, yeah, sort of a dark teen soap opera thing with murder and uh, in in fighting and uh, you know a lot of romance, a lot of emotions, so many emotions, disrobing and all that business. Disrobing. There is some disrobing. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Sorry about that, Grandpa. I hope you're okay. (laughs) But Uh, the the thing that, that frustrates me with that. Whole show, not the disrobing. The disrobing, I'm fine with, but the uh, show itself, it's it's Archie characters. At least it's their names, but they don't act anything like the characters from the comics. There's there's nothing relevant to the characters from the the comics. So it's like, why not just make it its own thing? Why drag the Archie stuff over and just paint these people so they look vaguely like the comic characters you remember, and not have it have anything to do with anything. Well, apparently you're the only one who thinks so because they want to do the same thing to Sabrina. At least with Sabrina, it sounds like they're going to be pulling it from a a recent comic book run called The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which uh, are written by Roberto Aguirre Saxa or something like that. He's he's the like brain behind uh, uh, Riverdale, I think, and he's the brain behind a lot of the Archie stuff right now. And you may have heard of uh, Afterlife with Archie, which is the the Archie zombie stuff. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. So this is in that same mold. I don't think it is actually connected with it, but it's, it has the same feel. Yeah, they want to make it dark. It's a horror Archie. Like Sabrina's parents are dead due to an accident involving a sacrifice to Satan. Wow. That's why she's being raised by her aunts. Okay. So, so yeah, the uh, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, that's the title they're borrowing for the name of the show as well. Now, this is the CW and the WB, of course. Um, they're calling it a dark coming-of-age story that traffics in horror, the occult, and witchcraft in the vein of Rosemary's Baby and The Exorcist, which, wow, that's, uh, I mean, that's what I think of when I think of coming-of-age young adult stories. Or uh, updating a 90s sitcom. Yeah, see, I remember Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and again, obviously I don't remember it very well, but I remember it being played for laughs. I remember a talking cat. Archie is supposed to be played for laughs. Like, but, I mean, I guess they figured it has witch in the title, so let's go nuts. Yeah. One of the things I've heard from a, a casting point of view is there's this uh, Disney star named Dove Cameron, who is this young blonde woman who has been sort of petitioning on Instagram and whatnot to for the role. And she's been doing that for, I guess, since Riverdale was announced. So, you know, if you like Disney Channel stars... We might have a new show for yeah. one of them. And, of course, it lends itself to, a, like, as long as you're doing it to Archie, you might as well do it to everything around Archie, right? I think I've been told that, like, the characters in Riverdale have been to the town that Sabrina lives in. It's, I think, um, across the river. 
or something. Something like that. Yeah. Or, I mean, I'm assuming in the dark version it'll be across the tracks, you know, the wrong side of the, the track. I think they literally said in an episode that Jughead lived on the wrong side of the track. There you go. There you yeah. Go. yeah. Um, so that lends itself to that shared universe stuff that everybody loves doing these days. They they haven't said definitively that it's a shared universe. Oh, but why else? Well, Come I mean, on. I mean, they also got around that with Supergirl. She's not in the same universe as Flash and Arrow, but... Uh, dimensional portals are an easy thing yeah, to so, get. So if they can have a dimensional portal, I'm sure these guys can cross yeah. the river. Or the witch, if they are in alternate dimensions or whatever, I'm sure the witch can can bring them right. Over. Yeah, except she's gonna have to stop in hell first because apparently it's gonna be a horror thing. I can't figure out. It, it seems like a really interesting direction to take what I remember being like a tween. Like I remember it being about clothes and dating. Am I wrong? I mean, yeah, but that's this is this is not your grandfather's Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I, so I suppose not. Um, in any case, there's not a ton of information about that. It's we're just starting to talk about it now. Um, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be finished. Uh, but you know how it is with these shows; could be canceled any time. And I mean, we're just baffled. Obviously, maybe someone else knows what's going on more than we do. I, I was baffled with Riverdale, and that's become a huge success. I'm sure this will be the the Emmy winningest CW show ever. Fair enough. Number two on the list, uh, the Terminator. Jane, we talked about this earlier in the last season. James Cameron wants to start making Terminator movies again. Which, if anyone wants to start making Terminator movies again, James Cameron's the one who should be doing it. He's the one who should have been doing it for a while. And honestly. Personally, I'd rather see him do more Terminator than more Avatar. True. But Terminator's been, like, since Terminator 3, Terminator hasn't been up to standard. You know? Like, yeah. Terminator 2, Terminator was a great movie. Terminator 2 is one of the best movies of all time. And then there were some action movies. Yeah, and an action TV series. Yeah, that's true. So, James Cameron wants to do it again. Fine. I think he probably felt the same way. Well, he recognized how we feel. Uh, because it seems really dubious. So he threw us a bone. Uh, he announced at a private event that uh, Linda Hamilton is coming back. That and is very cool. And and the other thing that they said in that is that they're, they're sort of discounting uh, Terminator 3, Terminator Salvation, and Terminator Yeah, they Genesis. want to make a new trilogy that takes place after Terminator 2 with the original Sarah Connor. Which is great. I Listen, I'm all on board for that. I mean... One of the things they're talking about, we'll double back to that in a second, but one of the things they're talking about is that, like, the part of the trilogy will be the passing of the baton to a new generation of characters. So Sarah Connor is basically going to be the General Leia of this Terminator trilogy. That's exactly what they want to do. So Linda Hamilton's going to be coming back, um, and they've been doing a lot of comparisons. Like, they're talking about how Harrison Ford is still doing action movies, and... Sylvester Stallone is still doing action movies, but none of the cool women are doing... Like, you don't see Sigourney Weaver out there shooting aliens anymore, um, which, is no. a, which is a waste. She she fought ninjas and stuff in uh, the Defenders TV series. Yeah, but... Yeah. You know, the, 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 the bringing those roles back, like... Yeah. That, that, like, if Han Solo could come back, Ellen Ripley could come back, and Sarah Connor could come back. And not and have that, to be... You know, 20 years old or whatever she yeah. was in Genesis. Well, that's what we saw. We saw her in the in the television series. We saw her played, like, at the same age as she was in Terminator 2, but played by Lena Headey, mm-hmm. which I could not get over because, I mean, Lena Headey was fine, 
But Linda Hamilton's performance in Terminator 2 is so... Even in the first Terminator, she's great. But in Terminator 2, she's such a badass. It's like she's she's been through some stuff, you know? She's got this... Oh, yeah. Everybody in that movie is damaged. Yeah, yeah. Like, but so replacing her seemed weird, especially because it was supposed to be essentially the same character. Uh, and then Terminator Genesis, it was younger Sarah Connor, and they got Amelia Clark. Lots of Game of Thrones connections. Yeah. That's weird. And um, they got Amelia Clark to play, who did it well. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't a great movie overall, but not her fault. Really none of the actors' fault. Um, but this is like you know, bringing that role home, and that's it's very exciting if we ignore the fact that I'm still not sure we should be making more Terminator movies. Very true. And they're also dragging uh, Schwarzenegger back out for this one. Oh, yeah, I read that. Can't too. have a uh, Terminator movie without uh, old Arnie in it, and apparently. He, and in, I mean, even in Genesis, he was looking real old. And it sounds like, even though they're discounting that movie, they're going to use the same reasoning for why he's old in this one, where it's like his the skin of the robot ages like real skin, which is, I guess, a fine reason. Uh, the other thing we know about this is that uh, it's going to be directed by Tim Miller, who is best known. He's the 50-year-old wonderkind who directed the first Deadpool movie. Ah, okay. Yeah, okay. So uh, he and James Cameron are writing it. It sounds like they're going to have a great relationship. Yeah. It, um, it's Deadpool and Terminator are not exactly the same kind of movie. Um, but that but Deadpool was great part because of the directing, not just because of sure. its unique fourth-wall-breaking humor. So... Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm all on board. He's he doesn't have much of a track record other than that as far as films go. So that's all we got to go on, and I, and I like that movie. I, I, hopefully, I'll like this one. Um, I do want to say that uh, James Cameron uh, giving his seal of approval to this has lost a lot of weight because he did the same thing for Genesis. I mean, he wasn't on board as a creative force, but he was like, "Oh, this is a great movie. I really love it, and I can't wait for you to see it." And it's and, like, yeah, it wasn't. Terrible, but it was. It was you know, like, I mean, maybe this is the biggest sin for a movie in the same franchise as Terminator Two. It was completely forgettable. Right. You could walk out of that theater, and by the time you'd thrown out your popcorn, forgotten what happened. And nobody wants that. Nobody wants that from a Terminator movie. And at least of all, James Cameron, he's it's his baby. Yeah. So I don't know why. I mean, I I guess I can understand why he would give it a, a, a pat on the back as he sends it out the door, but. Just to keep the franchise moving, I guess, but it does lessen the impact of his uh, praise. Yeah, lessens his responsibility, and again, don't know that we need more Terminator movies, guys. But we'll see about that. So, number one on the list. Honestly, I I had always heard, like, I had heard of this. It was in the back of my mind. I wasn't paying attention. Um, We saw a trailer for the new Tomb Raider reboot, which I really liked. It just, yeah, it's a good-looking trailer. It doesn't feels like it came out of nowhere to me, and I must be the only one. <laughs> it looks cool. Uh, it, it's it's got a lot of elements from the the new video games, where she's not quite as um, how to put it. She's not quite as oversexualized. There we go. As she was in the old games, or even in the Angelina Jolie movies, she seems just like a, a sort of Linda Hamilton esque tough woman who is going out to. to Solve the yeah. problems of the world. I mean, I don't want to pigeonhole it this way, but I mean, Lady Indiana Jones really covers a lot of this. Yeah. Lady Indiana Jones with guns. And that's what I think they they tried to do with the first couple of movies, and uh, they worked to a certain part, uh, certain extent, but they were a little silly. And this 
seems to be trying to take the silliness out of it. Yeah, it definitely seems to be drawing from the rebooted video game Tomb Raider, which is interesting. Like, the original Tomb Raider was 96. Um, that's the image everyone our age thinks of when you think of the really polygonal mm-hmm. Lara Croft with the two very prominent, like, triangle pyramids on the front of her shirt. Yeah. Um, but it was like a, it was an adventure exploration game, like, you know, as much as you were shooting guys who were also like solving puzzles in these ancient tombs, like doing Indiana Jones kind of stuff. Like people forget, it's one of the, like the biggest video game franchise worldwide. It's like total sales or something like fifty-eight million copies. And Lara Croft is a big recognizable character. I mean, I feel like I wouldn't put her up there with Mario or Sonic, but. Not anymore, but for a while there, she was she was as big as any of them. She was huge in the late '90s, early aughts, I suppose. It um, the games got kind of formulaic, kind of repetitive, and they died out. And those movies came out with Angelina Jolie, which and by that point, yeah. the character had become kind of a punchline with the outfit and the pyramids, yeah. so to speak. So it, it ran into trouble. But they rebooted the game, and that was 2013. Um, PS3, Xbox 360, uh, and they made it Tomb Raider, the origin story of Lara Croft. How did she become Lara Croft? And it's a phenomenal game. Like, it's one of those award-winning games. Right. It starts off where she's, it seems like a lot like this movie, where she's really just, like, she has the upbringing, like, and she has the adventure, but she's never done anything before. A big part of that game is the first time she kills someone, hmm. and she freaks out. Like, like the emotional toll right. on Now, shortly after that, you start killing all kinds of people because it's a video <laughs> game. But, like, it had a lot to do with those emotions and the development of the character. It's phenomenal. If you haven't tried it, get into it. Anyway, I'm ranting. <laughs> this movie looks like it's based on that game. It's like how Lara Croft became Lara Croft. Um, it's starring Alicia... It's, I want to say Alicia Vikander. You said Alicia... Ah, she's I, in American movies now. She's Alicia. I, I feel mind? like it's Alicia, but whatever. Um, I don't speak Swedish. She's Alicia to me. Okay. Alicia Vikander to Graham. <laughs> you don't want to go with Vikander? I, I, uh, <laughs> take her anyway, I can get her. <laughs> uh, as Lara Croft, and then a bunch of other people I didn't really recognize. There's uh, Dominic West from The Wire, and he was also in the uh, R-rated Punisher movie. He's he's a great sort of character actor. I love him in The Wire. And uh, the other, there's Daniel Wu, who seems sort of like a love interest slash sidekick for Lara Croft. And the villain is played by Walton Goggins, who was on The Shield, and uh, he's in Vice Principals now. He's in all sorts of stuff, and he's another one of those great character actors. So they're not they're not just bringing in anyone. They they want to get some good performances out of these people. All right, makes sense to me. It. Um... Yeah, I don't recognize any of them. I'm just not a TV guy. <laughs> uh, but the trailer looks cool. It looks like it's going to have gunfights. It's going to have tombs and traps and stuff. It's ducking under spikes and yeah. bows and arrows and all sorts of adventure. Running across airplane wings as they crumble into waterfalls. And, of course, right at the end, she's, she's buying a couple of handguns and poses in the traditional Tomb Raider pose. Mm. Where she's holding the two guns, kind of not akimbo, but... Anyway, like, like it, it, it's recognizing the fans of the game and maybe taking you know a bit of a tongue-in-cheek approach to it. Um, it's getting a lot of good buzz. Like it's it's tricky with video game movies, right? They're yeah. they're almost always destined to fail. But this could be something we'd be interested in watching. I mean, so Alicia Vikander is her her boyfriend at the moment. I think is uh, Michael Fassbender, who had his own video game movie come out earlier this year, Assassin's Creed, which I think. Went, came and went so quickly, it barely left an impression in our minds. Yeah. And it, it didn't look 
very good from the first trailer. So this is already a step ahead of that. <laughs> so you think it's sort of a bit of like a couple's thing at home who makes the better video game movie? Yeah. 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 That must be a fun relationship to be a part of. <laughs> um, we will certainly pay a little bit more attention to that as it comes. I just The last detail I want to mention about this is it's directed by a Norwegian man named Roar Uthog. I don't know about the last name, but his first name is Roar. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. I'm so, I don't know what else he's directed. Probably a bunch of Norwegian stuff. But his name is Roar. Okay, Roar. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> um... Good for him? <laughs> yeah. That, that right there means he's a good action director. Fair enough. I mean, certainly, it says more, has more oomph to it than Jesse. Uh, yes. I'll grant you that. <laughs> Roar Kirschenbaum. How Roar do you feel about that? I'll, I'll see if I can make it stick. <laughs> so that's the news as we saw it in the last couple of weeks. Uh, good to talk to you again. And I know what you're thinking. How could they not have talked about Star Trek Discovery? Oh, we talked about it. That's coming up next. Please stay tuned. Welcome back to Geek Top 5. We have another one of our special Geek Top 5 roundtables. We have just watched the first two episodes of Star Trek Discovery, and we have an illustrious panel assembled to discuss it. Our own bridge crew. I would sure. Uh, <laughs> let's go around the table. Uh, let's introduce ourselves and and give our Star Trek history briefly to see what we're bringing to the table. Favorite series. Jesse? Uh, I mean, Deep Space, I mean, all of it, but Deep Space Nine is my favorite series. Right. But I've, I've been there through the whole, th- maybe a little bits of Enterprise I'm missing. <laughs> I've watched every series. I've only watched the Enterprise once. Won't watch it again. But my favorite is either DS9 or Next Gen. And who and, are you again? Oh, hi, it's Zinni speaking. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Joel here. Uh, I've seen all Star Trek, including the animated series. Uh, my favorite series is Star Trek The Next Generation, and uh, it's all good. And I stand by that <laughs> and apologize for it. <laughs> I'm Graham. I'm the, the one of the co-hosts. You may recognize my voice. They, they know who you are. Uh, oh. My favorites oh. are, are TNG and DS9 as a close second. And, uh, yeah. What? And I'm Aisha, and um, I have seen uh, all of Star Trek except most of Enterprise. Yeah, I haven't seen most of Enterprise. Um, And my favorite series is also TNG. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's just start with general thoughts on good or bad of the show, and uh, would you give a rating out of ten tribbles? Ooh. I you That's wanna... a small number of tribbles. <laughs> <Right>. Really? <laughs> it won't be ten for yeah, long. Yeah. <laughs> and is more tribbles good? Yes. In okay. this case, yeah. right. the more tribbles, the better. Okay. There won't be any tribble at all. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> oh, I would give this a very lukewarm six tribbles. I think there's potential. But I have, I have a lot of comments uh, to come. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to go, I, I would say, seven or eight. I really enjoyed what I watched in that, in terms of like the time I spent watching television. I had a good time. I, which is rare for you. Which is very rare for me. Uh, I have all kinds of those like really nerdy like Star Trek questions that don't make a lot of sense. You know, like, how did the hologram sit down on a oh, desk? That like, bugged me little, so much. Little things like that. But that aside, I enjoyed what I watched. I'll watch more of it. 
I'm actually surprised that I'm going to give it an eight. I had very low expectations for it, and I found myself totally wrapped up in it, and I was excited while I was watching it, and I was sitting on the edge of my seat for some of it, which I did not expect. So I'm excited for to see more. Yeah, I'll give it a seven, uh, just to be different, but similar feelings that it was... I wasn't expecting a great deal, and I did get more than I expected from it. Yeah, I'm in that same ballpark, seven triples. I, I gotta say, the advertising campaign did not do it any favors, because <laughs> no. it was way better than it looked on TV. A lot of the things that I hated about the trailers, I liked a lot on the show, so I, let's let's see how it goes. Now, uh, let's dive into what I think is probably the most controversial aspect of the show, at least in my opinion. The Klingons. They don't look like Klingons. They don't really act much like Klingons we know. What are your thoughts on the Klingons? They did do a lot of canon stuff. They did the, the Death Scream, which yeah. we saw from Next Generation. They referred to Kaelas, which we know all about, um, especially from Voyager. They also need to change their makeup. They can't, can't act. They can't use facial expressions with the amount of makeup they're wearing, and they talk Far too slowly. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a makeup thing or a teeth thing, but, man. I mean, you could sit there for an hour listening to them order dinner. <laughs> <laughs> they reminded me of Remans. Yeah. From, that from is exactly what I was saying. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the albino Klingon looked yes. a ton like a Reman. Yeah. And that is not a flattering comparison. Like, <laughs> no, nobody I, wants to go back there. My concern is that this series will paint, like, a really complex Klingon culture as cartoonish bad guys. And I, I don't want that. I think Star Trek has always been brilliant at uh, fleshing out each race and uh, an audience being able to understand their motivations. So just making them like the Remans, just bad guys that are two-dimensional, that, yeah. would, be, that would be a travesty. Or a cult. <laughs> or a cult. cult yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not sure if it's just... I'm not sure if it was done intentionally or that's just how I'm interpreting it. But they made it pretty clear, like, you know, we, we're the, you know, we want to be the pure blood race, not like all those cultures mixing together. Mm. And I was watching that thinking, well, that's a little... I mean, I guess Star Trek has always been Topical? about a reflection of politics. But yeah. yeah, it seemed like it was a little on the nose. And again, also not very Klingon. Right. <laughs> but it is early in... It's ancient. True. Yeah. yeah, so who knows what they were back when then. I... There's room for it. When I saw the first episode, I saw the first episode uh, yesterday when it premiered on, on broadcast TV, and uh, you really only saw this segregated group of Klingons in that episode, and I was like, oh, I'm sure they're just going to be some sort of evolutionary offshot, because uh, they've been separated from the rest of the Klingon kind for so long that that's why they look different. But then other Klingons show up, and they look as weird as they do, yeah. so I, I don't understand why they feel the need to constantly change how the Klingons and look. And even the uniforms, like yeah. not just the way the species looked, like everything about the visual design of them, yeah. from like the way that like the rooms were decorated and the design of the ships was all very bizarre. I know this is really nitpicky, but how are we going to go from these weird Riemann-looking guys to the goateed Klingons of, of Shatner and Nimoy? I've always <laughs> thought, personally, I mean, that's something I can always get over. So I, yeah. I can go in my mind, and if I go and watch an original series episode, that's what I'll see now. 
And I I can say, well, it was the 60s, and that's the kind of makeup they did. Or it was the 90s, and that was the style. It's like saying, how can you go from that bridge on the Shenzhou to on the right. Kirk's Bridge? <laughs> Bottom right. of the hey, I mean, was there a, re- a recession or, <laughs> or something? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, that ship looks more advanced than the ships in Nemesis, which is the, the So you just have to yeah. kind of go with it. Ah, but, so hard. but again, the makeup is one thing, and I think we all agree we don't like it. But right. the way the, like, the characters behave and such. Like it's a, they're a very new race. Like if you didn't call them Klingons, like they've just been some new enemy. Yeah, and I wouldn't have batted an eye. Like there's at least there's an established language. They, I mean, that's that's, yeah. that's and they learned the actual language. I'm not, uh, I'm not fluent in Klingon, but it sounded pretty good to me. <laughs> I saw them interviewed, the yeah. actors, and they actually had to take classes and like literally sat there and, and talked to each other offset also in Klingon, Amazing. and they were like rattling <laughs> phrases off and stuff. It was hilarious, but. They're, but I think it's the makeup that's making them just sound so ponderous. Yeah, and, and it takes forever. Those scenes were really long. Yeah. And you're right, you can't see them doing anything. Yeah. They can't emote. We don't know how... All you have to go on is the subtitles. So those scenes are essentially reading a book. Right. I'm not against books, but <laughs> it seems like you spent a lot of money on that book. <laughs> I, I, we are getting a little off topic. Let's... let's segue into uh, the uniforms. This is another sort of like nitpicky thing for me. They don't look anything like Star Trek uniforms we've seen. They look kind of like the... Oh, you mean the the Federation? The Federation uniforms, yeah. They look kind of like the ones from Enterprise, but... They're, they're such a big departure. They don't have the red, gold, uh, Well, blue. now, they did have the gold. They had gold. The, the, but they all had, had gold. They did, I did like so, the... The, oh well, the 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 science guy was silvery. Right? Yeah, but I did, I did like the co- the their insignia. I did like yeah. the little rank pips on the insignia. I, I I enjoyed that. But I mean, even though I did give it a seven seven tribbles, and that's on you know uh, giving it a chance. But there was a lot of the times where I felt like it's it's like it's a step parent of star of of Star Trek, and it's trying to buy me. With, with stuff like like they they threw in those lines like my thoughts to your thoughts and also I don't think a Vulcan would say your thoughts I think they would say your thoughts you know your thoughts mm. to my thoughts mm. but I but then the 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 sound effects like they threw in just, yeah. they were throwing in all of these little nostalgia things which that kind of made me feel like it was a step parent trying to buy my affection. <laughs> I was aware it was happening, but, but I don't okay. mind it. But I would have been irritated if they weren't exactly. that. Exactly. Right. Right. If they did it wrong. If they didn't do that. The, the, the Star Trek upset. bridge, to me, especially of that era, needs to have that whistling noise mm-hmm. in the background. That's immediately how that. I know I'm on the bridge. When they called Red Alert, for a moment I thought, you better make it Red Alert. It better be Red Alert. Right. <laughs> okay, alert. it's Red Alert. Like, it, it, they have to say, my, that's because that's how you do a mind melt. Yeah, no. I, I, it, it, uh, to Joel's point, it did feel a little like they were like, my thoughts to you, that's nudge, nudge, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? Remember that? And one huh? of the big ones, like the, the, well, and the, the courage theme at the, you know, the dun uh from the original series, mm-hmm. and that was fine, and, and yes, the bridge background, but then there were all these other little things yeah. like we the, have engaged the, the that's yeah. the one that got me the, I, it was like okay that's okay yes we all remember captain picard <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, come on just to be clear that's a line from uh, best of both worlds picard very dramatically says we have engaged the borg oh, it, it's one of the most dramatic <laughs> lines from one of the most favorite episodes yeah. of the most favorite star trek show 
of pretty much like it, that's a big line. Yeah, giving it to Michelle Yeoh. To but I will it. go uh, if that's how they phrase it when they engage an enemy. Yeah. yeah, but but it's not just the words. It's the it's the they don't say oh we've engaged the Klingons. They say we have engaged. Pause. <laughs> the, the Klingons. <laughs> Okay. And I can hear the trumpets come in at that point. Right. That, yes. And I'm not sure Michelle Yeoh has the gravitas of uh, of um, Captain Picard to really deliver that line. I felt it was, yeah. Like, because she was trying to do his line. Exactly. Yeah. It exactly. felt like I'm sure she could have said something of her own that would have. Yeah. But you're right. Like, that's, again, we're really nitpicking at this point. Aisha, yeah. you also mentioned while we were watching, you commented on the Dutch tilts, the. Oh man! So I felt like this—the uh, the two episodes that we watched that have aired. Um, it, this felt more Kelvin timeline than it did classic. Mm. There was a lot of Dutch angles. I spotted a lot of lens flare. Yes. Um, I felt like all of the characters in the races were a little more sensationalized that they that the way they are in the JJ Abrams TV movies. Head. Yeah. TV. Yes. They never talk about him. They don't mention him. They don't point I think him out. It was a woman. Nothing. <laughs> but just to be clear, let me take a step back here and explain some things. Dutch tilts, Dutch angles, that's when uh, the camera is on a slight side. It's like the balance is off on the camera and everything's at a weird angle. It's like on the old Batman show, everything with the villains was on a a tilt. That's what a Dutch tilt is, it's a filmmaking term. And Kelvin Timeline is the name for the the Chris Pine, J.J. Abrams movies. Just for our non trekkie Yeah, all the people who things. listen to Geek Top Geek 5 who don't know a lot of Star Trek. There are a few. Yeah, but they did make a big deal about saying that this was not the J.J. timeline. Like they wanted to everyone know that. I think it would have fit in way better with yeah. the J.J. Abrams movie. And I think that the way a lot of the writing seemed to be pandering to that movie audience more than people who are coming from having seen uh, the series. And when Burnham uh, takes that flight, yeah. the flyby, that's right out of the first movie, right out of the first J.J. Abrams yeah, movie. It is. The whole like beaming into the other ship with the two yeah. of them, with the phasers, that was the climax. I did right. like the phasers. The phaser props, their their their. Oh sure, yeah. I thought Did those you like faded. the ship's phasers? I I I, I liked no. that they were blue. <laughs> that ties in with the original, uh, with the blue phasers from from TOS. But I don't like pulse phasers. Yeah, like, yeah. I yeah. Don't the, like them those were Star Wars lasers. Yeah. Is what those were. Yeah. And I, I didn't love how. All the ships look different, like especially back in the original series, they had one Enterprise <laughs> model, model. Yeah. Yeah. like then they just rubbed out the numbers on it or rearranged them. They and, were all variations on seventeen oh one. And from what I saw, every Starfleet ship was a unique design, yeah. except for the Constellation class, the the Stargazer, mm-hmm. with the four in the cells was there. So if if you were to bring back any like one yeah. ship we already know why not bring like the Enterprise right. yeah. <laughs> yeah bring in a Constitution I'm class I'm trying ship. to think about just from the original series from a timeline I kept I was trying to remember this as we were watching when how how far the original pilot with Pike um, that took place how far mm. before um, that's a the good question because I feel like it was around ten years so I'm trying to put that. Together mm-hmm. in my in my mind, is, there, that is Spock no out there on the Enterprise with Pine uh, Pike Pike not Pine? It's I don't know for certain that it's, there's something canonically established okay. for that. Certainly, we got to bust out the Star Trek chronology. Maybe. Right. Well, or rather, put it this way: I don't know that there'd be anything reliable, right? Canonically, mm-hmm. um, so I don't know if Spock and Pike are on the Enterprise yet. But we do know that the level of technology and like the politics, like all that stuff should be approximately the same. So they should be wearing sweaters 
Well, again, there's there's some things you just have to let go. Yeah, yeah. And the bridge, instead of buttons on their controllers, all they have are these weird jewels. I mean, we... <laughs> uh, there was a knob. Stick I saw somebody it. turn. A... Well, yeah, they had. They a... were joysticks. Oh yes, yeah. there were. I did like. Well, that. yeah, they had a bridge that looked like the bridge of a ship. Like, yes. The Kirk's Enterprise didn't. Right. <laughs> well, the doors made the same noise. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the same noises and a lot of the same lights. But I felt like they were really pulling from both. That's where I get my my step analogy yeah, from. Yeah. Because they had the windows like uh, like JJ with for the bridge instead of a view screen. Uh, the I thought the costuming kind of was kind of enterprising. Yes, but then they also pulled in a lot from JJ with like the little Starfleet uh, Delta on the yeah. side here yeah. as, as the details. So and they threw the the Starfleet Delta on everything. Yeah, yeah. and actually, I not, I did like on the Europa's nacelle because I think that was a four nacelle ship. It seemed like at the end when they were evacuating, when it was being, it, uh, it, it might have been. I, I was looking at it mostly from but the other side. I know the side, one that you were talking about. Yeah, because, yeah. Uh, but I did like how it had that same Delta and and the you know the red lines on it, like on the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. I liked, it. and that was very. Original like Star Trek TNG type. By original, I mean you know the old series. So on the whole, I think we can agree. Like they they pulled a, a lot of stuff, not enough to overwhelm and be ridiculous, enough to land you there, um, and some extra things for those of us who recognize all these lines to sort of like, okay, yes, it's Star Trek. Thank right. you. <laughs> okay, so the next thing I want to talk about another semi-controversial aspect is the inclusion of Sarek. Yeah. So, yeah. Zinni, as our, our I, I would say you're our original series expert. If there's anyone, what do you thought? I was perfectly comfortable with them include. I felt felt like they had to tie, they had to have a, a solid tie-in to Star Trek somehow. I mean, are the ships he, and the uniforms enough of a tie-in? No, no, no. character-wise. Sorry, I should say character only. But next generation didn't, unless you count Doctor McCoy. I consider and, the Enterprise a character. Yeah. But there's no I Enterprise But Sarek is one of those eternal characters. Mm-hmm. He lives, it seems, forever. He's yeah. spread through all of the series. Yeah. yeah. He, he, until Next Generation. Right. <laughs> yes, he did. Well, but, so he's not in DS9, and he's not in Voyager. But what I'm saying is, is that he's supposed to live for... But he, he keeps... Reappearing yeah. eras, like he was in that TNG Voyager D Space Nine yes. era. Yeah. He was in the original era. He yeah. was in, in JJ. Yeah. He was in the, the movies. movies. The movies. So he's just spread. Yeah. So it just seemed like a good idea to pick him to anchor it. Now, the other thing I thought about it is like the the first time we encounter Sarek is in uh, Journey to Babel, and mm-hmm. this is not that Sarek. That Sarek is kind of a jerk. He's He's supposed to be married to Amanda. Yeah. In this, in Discovery series. Which, which I kind of uh, understand as being something like a, a reason why he would be more sympathetic to Michael Burnham more than another take her in. Vulcan. Right. But in Journey to Babel, he's a jerk to everyone. Yes. <laughs> So it, he's less hu- less human. Yeah, yeah, less yeah, less sympathetic. Yes. Although again, I feel like at this point we're just we're we're going down to nitpicking canon. That's right. me. And I, no, there's no. It's me too. Okay. I, I did it the whole thing. Yeah. And he's like, that's not how a disruptor would resonate against that. No, yeah. like, <laughs> I, was, I was doing it, but I'm saying like for the purpose, and this comes back to maybe with to my rating. What I was saying at the beginning. Enjoying it as a television show. Yes. Right. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with Sarek. I think it's a little... Eh, to make him so involved in the protagonist's life. 
like if he had walked on the stage and said a few lines that would like I would have had my grounding. Mm-hmm. But I'm okay with it. Or in the flashback, like yeah. just seeing. The, I'm not okay though with her running into her room yeah. and calling daddy. Yeah. Daddy, help me! <laughs> that Klingons are here. What do I do? And I really have like, problems. And not telling and anyone not where telling she's going. Like, yeah. I gotta go make a call to a Vulcan to find out how they deal with the Telepis. And said, I gotta go. It's relevant. I yeah. promise. Right. <laughs> And then, and then coming back and telling I really, this is what we have to do, guys. I can't tell you why, but yeah. <laughs> but that's Star Trek tradition. They're constantly like, "Yo, Captain, you better get, you better get yeah. down here." I know. I... It's like, dude, you're talking to me right <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah. He's dead, Jim. Yes. I, I know. I keep thinking about all of Sarek's kids now. So you got Spock, the half mm-hmm. human, half Vulcan. He has his struggles there. You got Cyborg, full Vulcan, crazy. And uh, who may or may not have existed. Fine, I'll give that. I'll give that. Um, and then now you've got Michael, who's a human, and I don't know. I, I question his parenting skills yeah. at well, this point. Like he, and like Babel, like he would. They did not have a good relationship no. there at all. And I think it was mostly him. It well, kind of sounds Spock like is an a good experiment. boy. Spock is a good boy. <laughs> it kind of sounds like a parenting experiment where he's trying to test yeah, various yeah, levels true. of right. true. That is, training that is to very see how they respond. Yeah. That's what he would do. That's yeah. something he would do. That's smart. He's got the time. I, I will say <laughs> that in the... I feel like they established more in the material that led into the show that, that he was a, her father. In, in the actual episodes we've seen... It almost seems more like a mentor relationship. Less... Well, he was a foster parent. Mm-hmm. He calls her. He calls her his ward. Right, but like uh... Robin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but when she's like in the flashback, when she's hurt as a kid, and like he's doing the mind meld with her, and, and like we, we see that oh something's very wrong here. Yeah, this isn't a typical Sarek reaction. Clearly, there's more of a relationship there. Right, but we don't necessarily mentor. need to. They don't need to say that he that she lived with him or or that he, like she grew up going to school with Spock or, or Spock would come and take her to the movies on the weekends like a good <laughs> yeah. big brother or whatever. It's if they just keep it as it Separate. stands, mm-hmm. where we don't need to know all that relationship stuff, where he, she's not calling Sarah daddy or whatever. I'm okay with this relationship. But that doesn't seem to be where it's going. Because a big part of the second episode was establishing that he has left some of his katra in her, and now they can, like, mind meld across space. Yeah. Which is... That's new. Yeah. That's... uh, I mean, it's not new that Vulcans get crazy, like, BS powers. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) It's convenient to the plot. Yeah. I forgot about my inner eyelid. Like, yeah. All right. <laughs> but this one seemed a little like... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think he's going to be a mainstay. He's going to be a yeah. regular occurrence. Uh, he's going to be the um, the Guinan-type character that uh, mm. Michael is going to be bouncing ideas and philosophies off of. Uh, and I think this is leading to a lot of Spock. I have not great feelings about that. Um do you think Zachary Quinto is going to guest guest star? I honestly, especially in the first season, I would be shocked if we see Spock. Maybe the finale. Maybe the finale. Maybe the finale. Yeah. I don't know. I, I imagine it would depend on their show's ratings. If it's not, if it doesn't do well, and they need to like boost well, the thing, pull a wharf. Yeah, <laughs> it's supposed to. I think they're supposed to be done filming, but I'm not positive. I'm not positive either. No, no, they're shooting. In fact, I watched the interviews. The inner space filler before the <laughs> show yesterday, and they're shooting the fifteenth at the final episode right now. Okay, 
Mm. Well, then they still wouldn't know the ratings necessarily. Right. So we don't know if it, if he does show up, we won't know. It won't be a ratings. Well, I have a question poll. for the group. If you heard this rumor that I heard that because of all of the troubles getting going, is they might try and make it an anthology. Like if the uh, if the ratings aren't good, they'll be like, oh wow, this was the plan all along. Now we're doing a completely different show in a different time two. period. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, don't I remember hearing that that might have been the plan anyway? Well. I mean, I'm saying, I mean, way back when, like yeah. when we first oh, heard about the show. Apparently, that Brian Fuller, who was the original guy they hired as the showrunner, who does all sorts of great shows, American Gods, he did Hannibal, he did uh, Pushing Daisies. So his apparently his original pitch was it to be an anthology series oh, where I didn't know that. every season would take place in a different time period. So sort of a true detective thing, or a... yeah, except more tied to continuity than true detective true is. Detective. Yeah. <laughs> so like the next season could have taken place between movies of uh, of uh, the original series with a totally and, different cast. With a totally different cast, so it would get really expensive in terms yeah. of sets, which and... is probably why CBS was like, yeah, no. You're right, take a hike. (laughs) And I feel like that uh, would not be utilizing one of Star Trek's great strengths, which is the ensemble cast that you really spend time with, and Mm -hmm. that becomes your show family. But did anyone notice that? Like, we really don't know very many people on that bridge. I was disappointed. Like, they're they're still, like, redheaded helmsmen. We don't know who she is. Yeah, But the other thing is... We're two episodes in. We haven't actually seen the Discovery yet. So there's a good reason we don't know this yeah. crew. Right. There may not be the crew. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Now, you may have seen, uh, like I did yesterday, the after. Yes. They did one of those this season on Discovery. And no they, spoilers. La, la, no. La, la, well, but they're they not did, spoilers. It's just previews. They did touch onto that. And, it, and it, just to underline the fact that we maybe haven't really met the ensemble cast yet. We've met Michael, who's going to be the star. And we know that. But pretty much everybody else may not be in it again. I was actually quite shocked that the captain died, and yeah. that no, yeah. that never leaked. Or I mean, yeah. I was I thought it, she was in the series. Then well, she was in the we, series. We know that Jason Isaacs is the captain yeah. of the Discovery, captain but yeah, you could still so. have two ships, two captains. True. I, I I mean, maybe this is like being too into. Credits or something, but I feel like Michelle Yeoh was just listed as a special guest star in the opening oh, credits. But so. sometimes certain yeah. actors are always shown as Dr. Pulaski. Her entire season was guest guest starring yeah, Dr. Pulaski. That's true. So that's true. There is that. There. So, so yeah. you're right. We haven't even met the, the ensemble yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, think. I think I'm pretty sure TV Head died. I saw <laughs> that. Yeah. Like well, he made it to the brig. I mean, to the sick bay. bay. Hopefully, hopefully. Oh God, Kettler's uh, TV head. But I saw like human <laughs> hands. It was very peculiar. I was having like Swedish Chef <laughs> <laughs> flashbacks there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think I, I, I just I think there's a lot of potential that they can go a lot. Yeah, you know, you know I'm really interested in seeing what happens to those characters. Well, that the that was going to be my my next and I guess last thing. Are you going to keep watching? Yes. Oh, 100%. Um, I yes. think uh, uh, the Michael Burnham character is compelling. I want to see... Is, well, now I want to see the rest of her story. And then, I just know, wanna, she's in jail. Okay. <laughs> I just want to find out why her name's Michael. There are women named Michael. I, I, maybe it's a Vulcan thing, and, and they, they weren't really familiar. And that's what I assumed it was going to be. be like, Sarah, you never understood me. You named me Michael. Yeah. <laughs> I did, I did you read. You watched the Orville. Maybe she was <laughs> Oh, yeah. 
I did read that, that there is a reason why she has a traditionally man's name and okay. that it'll be revealed. Yeah. But yes, I'm interested to, to meet the ensemble and meet the discovery and really, um, they've, they've set up our, uh, our, our eyes and ears for the show, the center that the rest of the show is going to work around. Okay, fine. I'm in. Let's see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, and I do think that the death of, of, of Giorgio, is that it? Giorgio? <laughs> of Michelle Yeoh yeah. is, is part of the, the character thing. <laughs> like, I just love it that if her name was really Giorgio, Michael and Giorgio. <laughs> <laughs> Philippa Giorgio, yeah, right? Yeah. Philippa. Oh, like Philippa Lavoie. Philippa and was the judge advocate. Yeah, Philippa Lavoie. Yeah. From? Next from, Gen. Uh, the, the Trial. Man. Oh. Yeah. Picard's ex. Yes. I don't know how that went. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I think that she would... I, I did expect her to die because that's just sort of a typical plot development for the sort of main character. Like, you think about Harry Potter, spoiler alert, with mm-hmm. Dumbledore, Obi-Wan. Like, it's just part of the But he didn't journey. die in the first episode. No, but it was part of the <laughs> character... This is episode two's in it. But it was part of the character's development that that, that, that mentor person yes. had to die. And Harry and Potter loses mentors all throughout those books, doesn't <laughs> he? He's like Dumbledore. one after Dumbledore. another. But, but Dumbledore. 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 Is somebody significant dies. Obi-Wan. And, and all of that, so, you know. All right, well, sounds like we're all in. Yes. Yeah. Just want to toss out a few, I mean, I know I want to toss out a few last things. Does anybody have any little things I just want to toss I out? hate the, the, the communication system is holograms of people standing around. They yes. tried that in Deep Space Nine, yeah. and it mm-hmm. was stupid then, and it's even stupider yeah. here. It's yeah. clumsy. Yeah. How does he sit down on something? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Maybe he was sitting down where he was, really. And, the, and it, it just conveniently happened. happened to match her desk. <laughs> I really liked how she Captain Kirked that computer to let her out of jail. Oh, that was amazing. Just sitting there using your That's not how computers human work. strength <laughs> and, and ingenuity to outsmart it. Did you want smoke to come out of the computer's ears and yeah. say, does not compute? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to put out there, I hate the Klingon ships. Hmm. I'm a big ships guy in Star Trek, and the Klingons have had a very, like, you can tell a Klingon ship by looking at it. And none of those were Klingon ships, and a couple of them were Romulan ships. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the, the wings. The wings. Yeah. 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 Which, again, if you really want to get into the original series canon, maybe there's a reason for that. Like, it could sort of... But I just... I didn't like the design of the ships, especially Takumva's weird Zerg Terran battlecruiser thing. Um, whereas I loved the Federation ships, even yeah. the all-new designs. They looked like Star Trek ships, and they looked a little different and a little new. Yeah. I was all over that. But you can still tie in certain elements. And, and I, yeah. from JJ to the original Enterprise, all had of that. A and I but it had a deflector that. dish, it had USAR collectors, it had the nacelles. The yeah. Which was on the bottom, that was weird. But yeah. I can live with it. I can live with it. Well, it's just interesting. Um, let's just straighten out the camera. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you weren't flares. aware we were in space, <laughs> because and actually, I did like that when when you see the the Shinjo and the thing that they didn't that. meet straight yes. straight, straight was... bow to bow like they were kind of off center like could happen in space. But I did like how it, they had a very next generation esque space battle where they just sat there and shot at oh, each other. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was how it opened. But then they go into okay. the drama shots and they were chasing each other around. I, I have to say, if for I, you know, because it was a streaming show, I think in earlier conversations, earlier episodes, 
We were worried they wouldn't have enough of a budget, but oh man, yeah, we looked it great. looked great. It, <laughs> it looked. We were so worried when they kept delaying it yeah. and kept delaying it, and maybe they really wanted to do it right. And if, that's why they. If were anything, it. they went a little overboard with it. Like in the start, when she gets into her spacesuit, that yeah. felt like it was like fourteen years long. Like yeah. all the cool stuff <laughs> on her spacesuit. Yeah. It's lighting up, and we can see the heads up display. And I loved like, the weird throwaway. Uh, Insect aliens on that first planet. They never came back they to never them. Came, but they were amazing looking. Like, they looked better than any Star Trek alien I can think of. They had, like, forearms and they, like... Looked the like a Star thing. Wars Yeah, alien. they were great. It's because they completed the mission, guys. They saved them. That's right. <laughs> we did. don't have to go back. But they saw them. Right. <laughs> so they did violate the Prime Directive. But when do they not? Uh, that's, a, that's another episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the only other thought I really have is, to me, at least so far, the only reason they have said it in the time period that they have is so that they can throw in Sarek and throw in Harry Mudd. Everything else about it, you could have said it a hundred years after Nemesis, mm-hmm. and it would have could have been the same. You know, maybe the Klingon houses have broken apart at some point in the last hundred years. You know, do another mm-hmm. hundred year jump like they did from the original series to Next Generation, and and you could get away with a lot more of this stuff than saying it's ten years before Kirk. Right. And then you that would explain why the ships look so much better. That would explain yeah. why the Klingons or wouldn't a hundred years of evolution wouldn't mess up the Klingons that much, but that's look, still, yeah, that, yeah, but that's, that's still makeup. We do yeah. not speak of it. Yeah. And that, <laughs> we're satisfied exactly. with that yeah. explanation. So if all only. I'm saying is like they could have they could have thrown that ahead. Maybe instead of it being Sarek raising her, it could have been Tuvok and bring him back and it could actually have been the same actor that instead would have been of Vulcan and I love Voyager, but a lot of emotion in that one. Yeah. A lot of emotion. Well, I know, that's uh, with humans for so long. <laughs> Different show. Yes, we digest. <laughs> <laughs> Any case, um, we liked it. We want to see more. So, that, uh, that's our, our first episode of Season 3 of Geek Top 5. Special thanks to all of our special guests. To Aisha, to Joel, to Zinni. Thanks for joining us and sharing our, sharing our Star Trekiness. Happy to be here. A blast as always. Thank you mm-hmm. for having us. And, of course, special thanks to my co-host, Graham. Oh, special thanks to you, Team <laughs> Jess. <laughs> and, and thanks to you, the listener, for joining us. Uh, in all seriousness, special thanks go out to Ben Sound for our theme song as we're setting up the show, to Stella Simeonova for our webmaster for bringing this all to you. And uh, we're glad to be back and want to hear from you. Uh, we've got all kinds of different ways that you can get a hold of us. So you want to give us your comments, your discovery thoughts. Please send them too. You can email us at geektop5 at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at geektop5. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash geektop5. And you can give us a review and a comment on iTunes. Geektop5 is currently homeless. Our regular recording studio has now become the baby's room, and so sharp-eared listeners can probably hear the difference. Uh, if you live in the Toronto area and have any way you could help us out, we would love to hear that, too. It, uh, and, you know, great rewards may ensue. You could get a hat. <laughs> they are out there. That was Geek Top 5. We'll talk to you again in just a couple of weeks. Thanks very much. <laughs>